You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. evening, I want us to go to what should have been the conclusion of what we began to learn, you know, last Sunday, and we see how we'll tie everything in. And one of the scriptures I'd wanted us to look at last Sunday, in line with what uh, we're beginning to learn, we said, um, we said Aristotle, you know, that had said, nature abhors a vacuum. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 to 45, we have our Lord Jesus Christ telling us something very interesting. And this is what it says. Matthew says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. This will not be a portion in Jesus' name. But our Lord Jesus Christ here was teaching. And he brought out something very important. Like what we that Sunday. We said salvation is a package. When we surrender our lives to Christ or we receive Christ like we learned in Sunday school... Accept, believe, and confess. That is the beginning of salvation. Praise the Lord. And the end of salvation is when they announce zealous for the Lord or zealous for the Lord. Perpetually. The apostle Paul says, I forget the things which are behind. What do I do? I press forward. So he was not always sitting around, you know, dwelling in the, you know, experience of the uh, Damascus, you know, uh, light and all of that. He kept pressing on. This was the Apostle Paul who had written things that even up till now we don't understand. Saying that I may know him. So it's a beginning that requires a continuation. So when we are told here that when an unclean spirit has salvation, I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit takes possession. And, you know, the unclean spirit, our bodies are cleansed and all of that. Our spirits, sorry, are cleansed. But what we are seeing here is this. If nothing progressive... It's done after that point. We expose ourselves to danger. I think it was that that tried to answer the question that someone had asked about. Um, I can't remember the question someone had asked that. But in essence, what he was trying to teach is that when we keep going back, repeating some things that we know we shouldn't do, we make it more difficult for us to repent. We build strongholds. It's because of this principle. When you and I have had an experience with God and we turn back and make ourselves available. In fact, some of us have had experiences where even our unbelieving friends will accuse us. Ah, why are you here? You're born again. You shouldn't be here. How many of us have had that experience? You see, those are the human ones. The spirit ones don't say, why are you here? They say, thank God he's here. They will now make sure that you don't leave them again. Are you with me? 
So Jesus told us this. Can we read this? Can you give us this passage in, in the message translation, please? He says, when a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis. Some unsuspecting soul, it can be devil. When he doesn't find anyone, it says, I'll go back to my old hunt. On return, he finds the person, how? Spotlessly clean, but vacant. You will not be vacant. We will not be vacant. He said, he then runs out and rounds up seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they're all moving, whooping it up. That person ends up far worse off than if he had never gotten cleaned up in the first place. He says, that's what this generation is like. Okay, continue. He says, you may think you have cleaned out the junk from your lives and gotten ready for God. But you weren't hospitable to my kingdom message. And now all the devils are moving back in this is what we don't want you know our lord jesus christ taught us, he says no man who lays his hands on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom it's not that the kingdom will reject him he say he's not fit which means he will not be able to this is what he's saying so we begin we must not make room for this vacancy however unfortunately and incidentally what the normal practices is this. When somebody becomes born again, it's like you have arrived and you pack and that's where you stop. Some persons, you know, don't complete their new believers class. It's not, I mean, compulsory you do that. But if it's available, why don't you take advantage of it? You know, all the processes that should ground you and help you understand the salvation that you have received. Okay. What happens at that moment is that you're clean, but you're exposed because you have no defense. We've used an illustration here that you came to church, you came to church freely. Probably you used, um, for those who are not in the country, there's a long, there's, you can take, you know, private cab and come or your car or Uber. Or you can take the one we call along where there are five of you in a car. Okay? You can come like that, but if in this service the Spirit of God moves... And I give everybody here five, five million naira. You will not go with along. You know why? All of a sudden, because of the treasure you possess, you need a defense. Do you understand? You will not go the same way. In fact, the Uber you call, when some of them come, you say, I don't trust this one. What has changed is that you're carrying a treasure. So it changes everything about It's the same thing with salvation. When that encounter has taken place, you can't also go about the same way. It's also like a woman who gets married. After marriage, she can't also go about the same way. Because if you do, you expose yourself. That's what Jesus is teaching us. You don't receive the kingdom and just continue anyhow. You become target. Some of us here, yeah, the appointments are going to make, you know, for you by the grace of God, you know, in this new Nigeria that is coming. And DSS will not allow you, you know, just go anywhere anyhow. You want to go and visit your in-laws, they say security report. But anywhere you want to go, you're free. You understand what I'm saying? So those are the constraints to protect you. It's because of this principle. You have been cleansed. They can't allow you to expose yourself because the more wicked ones are eager to come back and make you worse off. Is someone hearing me? That is what Christianity is. When you receive the gift of God, it is free, but that gift carries responsibility. That's what people miss. 
Salvation is free. Salvation is free. Yes, it is free. But when you have it, if it's a gift, it will demand some adjustment. Praise the Lord. Some time ago, you know, when we started wearing the, um, the self-knot ties, the bow ties, you know, I buy for some people, and then Sunday morning, I see them waiting beside my car. Pastor, you bought me the tie, but you have to help me to tie it. It's not enough. <laughs> Do you understand? Because the gift, to enjoy the gift, you needed to learn something more. The same way. You're born again, okay, but to enjoy it. That's why Peter was writing to us, giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, knowledge to knowledge, temperance. You see, these are truths. If you just have that faith and you're talking, the enemy will be playing with you. The day he wants you, he will rent you. The day they decide to take you, that day you will slap your wife, kick your wife. The next day you're singing hallelujah chorus. They leave you again. When they need you, they rent you again. And you manifest. But when you come to understand that you must never be vacant. This is what, you know, the apostle Paul, I believe, means when he says, pray without ceasing. It means at no point are you free for the enemy to reign. The Bible says, do not give place to the devil. At no point is your life, your state of mind available for the enemy to come in. You're continually engaged with the king's business. It doesn't mean that your activity is the same, but your sensitivity is the same. You know who you are. You know who you have become. Praise the Lord. You see, in this kingdom, when the Lord opens your eyes to spiritual dimension, you will know that your enemies are not playing. But better still, you know that those that are for you are more than those that are against you. Do you understand? You will know the tremendous resources that are available to you to use to advance the kingdom. So, Jesus told us that story. I I want us to look at a few other stories and then, you know, I'll put them all together. Come with me to Luke chapter 7. This account is one of the Marys. I referred to these women. And the Bible says, interestingly also, in Jesus' ministries, you know the people who funded his ministries? You know they were women. May God prosper our women. Is it that they are more generous or something? Men. God will prosper them, but because we are their heads, we'll still be prospered beyond them. So can we say our own amen? Uh-huh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so one of the women, in Luke chapter 7, verse 36, it says, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Then he went to the Pharisees' house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. Notice the statement there. Who was what? A sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet, and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher said, he said there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 dinari and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. 
You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives him? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Praise the Lord. Now, every one of us here must understand that it wasn't the washing of Jesus' feet and the pouring of fragrant oil that saved her. Okay? No, what saved her was her faith. But the washing was a demonstration, an outflow. You see, this woman had had an experience. I don't know if this was the one out of whom seven demons had been, you know, cast out. It's very possible because her notoriety that they said she was a known sinner. It's very likely that she had the demon of prostitution and all of that, you know, and skilled at it. Okay? So, this woman had been saved by faith. Okay? And she knew. But, imagine if she didn't do this. You know, after that event... Everybody in the city will also know her. So even those who went to solicit her services will write her off. This woman now is no longer what? In that business. She has become a Jesus woman. Automatically. Do you understand? Now Simon, also himself, being a Pharisee, would have also known that this woman. Why? The faith that saved her could never have been demonstrated to Simon. Could never have been made public. But because after her encounter of faith with Jesus, she stepped out and carried acts. Is someone with me? Took steps, walked walks, worthy of repentance. So in her testimony, it was undeniable that something new had what happened in this woman's life. In fact, her old partners wouldn't even take her again. Because if she comes right, they say, no, 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 you spoil business for go. So this woman settled herself on the path. Now, if you read the next chapter, verse 8, this is where they tell us what happened. Immediately after her experience, this is what the Holy Spirit recorded. It says, now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Okay, the disciples. Now look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, and certain women... Who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. He now says, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had what? Come seven demons. Which, you know, Bible scholars believe is this woman. So immediately they put her on a different league. Why? Because after her salvation with faith experience, she went into the works of it. Brethren, what I'm trying to bring to us in this season is this. We need the works of faith. By faith, we are saved. Right? By grace, sorry. Through faith. Not of works. Okay, lest any man should boast. But that salvation that saves us of faith now demands from us works. The product of our faith. If I say I am saved and I'm not working the works, I should doubt. I should claim a witness, an evidence. It's not a safe place to be. Are you with me? No, you, you shouldn't be safe there. You know why? You don't know, and I praise not, whether seven demons are coming back. This is what Jesus thought. 
Let's put that Ephesians 2, please, 8 to 10. So we'll look at it. Because it captures both extremes. For by grace you'll be saved. No doubt about that. It is the love of God is the, you know, life, death, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Through faith, not of ourselves, is the gift of God. Okay? So salvation is a gift. So I'm giving this. This is the gift of God. Okay? So not of works. I'm not Samsung. Samsung made this phone. Momichi bought it. She gives it to me, lest I should boast. Praise the Lord. Now he says, for we are his word, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for... So he's saying, I was... This salvation, this gift given to me, is that I will use it to call when so and so happens. So I cannot now say... They can't ask me, why didn't you call now when this thing was happening? I say, why should I call? How can I call? Can I say that now? Why? I've been what? Giving the gift, the enablement. That's what he's saying. For where his work might created in Christ for good works, which God prepares. So they are saying that occasions will arise when I'll need to use this gift given to me freely. Are you with me? So Jesus is telling Simon here that the reason this woman did this is because she has a revelation of the extent or the magnitude of forgiveness she experienced. We learn forgiveness at Sunday school. Anybody who understands forgiveness will not go back to the sin. It's people who don't understand forgiveness that go back. If you appreciate forgiveness, you know, you will not go back. I mean, willingly. Praise the Lord. Okay? So, this woman's account is there. And immediately they told us these people followed. And they followed from this moment to the cross, to the resurrection. Because they made their decision clear. There was a complete turnaround. In Acts, we are told, repent and be converted. That times of refreshing may what? Come from the... There is a repentance that we repent and, you know, you feel in your heart. It's okay. That's where it must begin. Okay? Let me explain this this other way. The work that, you know, that the Spirit of God works in us is like the foundation of a building. Without it, nothing happens. That's the truth. Nothing solid happens. Okay? So just like this building where we're in now, there's a foundation which you don't see. Praise the Lord. Which you don't need to see. But it has to be there. Praise the Lord. But thank God there's a foundation. Imagine if the superstructure is not there. Can we say we have a building? So after the foundation is laid, we have to put iron rod. Eh? We have to start laying blocks. We have to put pillars. Because until then, the building is useless. There is no building. We can't even call it a building. There is no foundation that can serve any purpose without a superstructure. The same way, our package of experience must need some superstructure. And those superstructures, what we're learning, is an engagement. Are you with me? It's an engagement. What I'm trying to bring to us today is this. Peter and his crew, they went back fishing because daily they had been following Jesus. Let's go and preach to these people here. Let's go and minister to this. When they couldn't see Jesus for a few days, they became idle. They became relaxed. And that was when the devil suggested. I know one of the things we said that Sunday is this. The saying never says the idle mind is available for either God or the devil. The idle mind is by default given to the devil. Why isn't God and the devil sharing idle mind? Have you asked yourself that? You know, those who have young children. 
There is a way the child will be quiet. Those who understand are already laughing. There is a way the place will go quiet. You know that something is happening. <laughs> you may come into the kitchen and see that uh, <laughs> they've started cooking, <laughs> cooking something for you. Or in the bathroom, see they, they've soaked, they've soaked your suit in the in the closet. Do you understand? There is a way the child will just go quiet. The experienced parent will know that there is a conference going on. <laughs> the same way, as Christians, born again Christians, you can't say you're a Christian and nothing is happening. You're not serving. You're not actively preaching the gospel. You're not advancing in any way. It doesn't happen. It's not natural. It's not safe. It's not safe. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Zeal for the Lord is normal temperature. Please, what's human beings' normal temperature? 36, Abby. Eh? 36. If they check you in the hospital and you're 12, they will admit you, Abby. As a Christian, to be zealous for the things of the Lord is normal temperature. If you're below, you're sick. You're not cool. Young people that you stream and, you know, chat, and you chat for a whole day, nothing about... Your salvation in it. Why do you think the devil will not put one leg inside? The ambassadors did their things there. Those parents that have those children that got involved, how blessed they are. The children that are not involved, go and ask their parents, is headache they were giving them throughout. Because they will see what, uh, I don't even know their names, Nicki Minaj, uh, what, uh, Beyonce, uh, what are their names? They will, just, they will just be seeing what they are doing. And the next thing they say, they are depressed. No teenager doing that thing can be depressed. Because they are occupied. Their brains, their hearts have been rented, occupied by Jesus. Depression is a product of inactivity. If there is no productivity, no advancement in the right direction, then there has to be a, a retrogression in the wrong direction. It's automatic. But it's not just for teenagers. As a businessman, as a man, as mature man, you are born again. The, the Apostle Paul says, redeeming the time for the days are what? Evil. Every day of your life, you must be consciously involved in kingdom advancement. It may not be pushing the thing physical, but even in ideas. Some people have said, called me on the phone, Pastor, I think we should do this about it. It means your mind is there. You cannot be born again and come here and then for two years, you're just coming and going. You're at peace. You and the devil, you're not quarreling. You're not looking for his trouble. And you think because of that, he will not look for your trouble. He'll tell his demons, okay, just occupy that one. Let's keep him, he's our reserve. It's as simple as that. Brothers and sisters, let me read one more account for us and then we'll pray. Acts 22. In fact, they said to me, this was this man's secret. <clears throat> Acts 22 from verse 1. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they had heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bear me witness, and all the counsel of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren. 
and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Okay, notice that. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus of Nazareth, okay, whom you are persecuting. Now he says, and those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid. But they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. Now look at 10. Let's return together. So I said, what shall I what? What shall I do, Lord? Brethren, this is the secret of the Apostle Paul. If Jesus is Lord at all, what is the relationship between Lord and his Lorded? Eh? Is it to be eating Amala together? It is service. You must keep asking, what do you want me to do? What shall I do? Now you brought me to this office. What should I do? Now I'm going through this difficult situation. What should I do? Now my body is infirm. What should I do? In every situation, his Lord, he said, what shall I do? Notice, go and read the life of Paul. You see that this was the attitude that saved him. He knew he had a Lord. Child of God, do you know you have a Lord? We know him as master key. Jesus is the master key. We know him as the bread giver. Jesus is the bread I eat. All of that is good. But you see, when you understand lordship, you will get master key. You will get bread. You will get every other thing. Because Lord is responsible. Are you with me? We have security here. They don't buy their boots. Lord is superior. The best relationship you can catch a revelation of between you and Jesus is Lord. Because as Lord, he's responsible. Lord means owner. Do you understand? He owns me. So my welfare is in his interest. Remember the centurion that took his servant to Jesus? He loved the servant quite all right. But when that servant is sick, who suffered more? The centurion lacked the services. What shall I do, Lord? It was from there he told him, okay, go and you'll be told what you must do. Direction kept coming. And as long as that direction was coming... Paul remained relevant. He kept giving him revelation. It's someone that does things for me that I'll tell things I want to do. It's someone that does things for me that I'll tell who I am, my plans. So that's how come Paul could be called to the third heaven. Because God, after a time, had to invite him. This man, you know, you're doing so much. Come, let me show you where I live. He said, I was shown things that were unlawful to even talk about. Why? Because he was always saying to the master, I'm available. And that is what Isaiah was trying to tell us when he says, those who wait upon the Lord, they renew their strength. It's the relationship of the saved. The the mentality we have now is that when you're saved, God so loved you. You're beautiful. You're excellent. It's all about you. It's all about you. Jesus loves you. And then they tell you that. You take it in. Jesus loves me. And that's it. You balance. And then you don't care about that Jesus. Then the next time you remember him is when there's trouble. You go, that Jesus that loves me, that Jesus. Which of you young men that wants to marry will marry a girl that behaves like that? The last time she called you was when she needed recharge. Then the next time she's calling you, you say, eh, 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 please, not call, flash. Say, Nepa has caught our light. Urgent 2K. That's what it's called. 
you know. And then in the next two weeks, that's when the person calls you again. I mean, but imagine someone that will say, send you a text. Young ladies, I'm giving you a secret. How are you doing today? I just want to spend some time, you know, ministering to the Lord. Are there any prayer burdens you want me to take before the Lord for you? The man's heart will just start doing like this. That's what Momichi did to me. She ministered. No, I'm, I'm serious. Not that she was praying, not that direction. Okay. But you see someone who is not drawing from you only when they needed. That is the level of relationship most people have with their God. A God that only solves problems. It's implied in our songs. It's implied in our attitude. It's implied in our prayers. When you hear our song, the only thing, Jehovah, they answer, they answer, they answer. Ah, Jehovah, even they come. You make you the answer, I'm small now. Do you understand? That's why, you know, you watch white people in their worship. And you just see them lost in worship. They are saying many things to the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Oh my soul. Worship. You know, they're just loving the Lord. They close their eyes. When you see our own people, our own worshiping. Jehovah, 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 Jehovah. Emergency. <laughs> when you hear our songs. But the Bible says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of... There is a secret place. And it's a place where you are in tune. You've been talking with Him. Do you understand? You're relating with Him. Every step you take, every moment, you're asking Him, Today, what do we do? Daddy, what's on your agenda for today? What would you have me do? You say, love on someone today. You say, call that brother today. Minister to that person. You're going to meet some strangers today. Show them the kindness of the Lord. Okay? That is what it is. It's knowing him. In it, you know, there's so much safety. When you engage like that, God forbid, that demon that went out, when he comes back, he can't even come close again. Because by the time it's coming, you're, you're in conference with Jehovah. Do you understand? You remember what our Lord Jesus Christ says. He said, if any man does my will, he said, I and the Father will do what? We will come in and make our home with him. That's what he's talking about. That's where we want to get to. Let's rise on our faith. Active service. Every born again Christian. You don't have to be a member of Joy Force. You don't have to be a member of the workforce. You're just actively engaged in the advancement of the kingdom of your Lord. Why? Because he is Lord over me. He owns me. My resources belong to him. My troubles belong to him as well. My challenges are his. My enemies are his enemies. Praise the Lord. That's what God said to Hezekiah. You know, answer Hezekiah when Sennacherib was doing all of that. He said, the virgin daughter of Israel has laughed at you. You wrote a letter to Hezekiah. Hezekiah took the letter to his master and laid it out before God. God said, don't worry. It's not you he's talking to, it's me. I will respond in kind. That was the account where the Bible says, one soldier in one night slew 185,000. Of the Assyrian soldiers. That's what your owner can do for you. Listen to me. The shortest cut, the quickest way to solve your problem is to hold on to your owner. It puts him, he knows this one belongs to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? He takes responsibility. He's no longer doing it for you, he's doing it for me. 
That's why some places you read, say, for my name's sake, for my name's sake. <laughs> why? Because you're answering his name. You're called by his name. You're going forth his name. Today, I'm telling you, child of God, that's a place of strength, a place of peace, a place of victory, a place of favor, where you are in active service for Jehovah. Is your body weak? Is there sickness in the body? There is a master who owns you. He wants you up and about. He wants you tearing a testament. Can you let the Lord know that this body wants to serve you? This body wants to clap his hands. This leg wants to go for you. This mouth wants to preach for you. Open up my mouth. I want you to let the Lord know. I'm no longer vacant. Occupy me, Lord. (laughs) Occupy me, Lord. Take me over. In fact, somebody is here and there's a problem in your office. I want you to invite the Lord. Tell him, Lord, I become your agent in that office. Kasho katatatata. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www www.thefatherschurchonline.org God bless you.